Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. If you just climbed in your car, we're going to talk about the Christian and the problem of doubt. Do you have doubt? I bet you do. I bet every person who has ever encountered uh, faith has had questions and doubts, and I think that's a good thing. We're going to talk to that. Uh, we're going to talk today with uh, Ken Samples. He's a philosopher and theologian at Reasons to Believe. He has a real passion to help people understand the reasonableness and the relevance of Christianity's truth claims. He's a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, and he's authored several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. He's a monthly guest on the show. I always look forward to having him on, and I learn a lot every time he's on. Welcome back, Ken. Hello, Bill. Yeah. So, doubt's a big topic. So, uh, you know, just to get things started and get the ball rolling, uh, would you be kind enough to define doubt? Yeah, I, I like what you said. I think that doubt is part of thinking, reflective thinking. We have, anytime we think seriously about anything, uh, doubt is going to be a natural part of that experience. So it, it's feeling uncertain, uh, questioning. And then I think in the context of uh, Christianity, it would be a lack of certainty as to the truth of the Christian faith. So that, you know, doubts are a normal part of any kind of intellectual engagement of a topic. And I don't think in and of themselves, there's something we should think negatively or be worried about. Then there are some areas I think we need to take seriously, but yeah, doubt's part of thinking. It's it's part of being a human being. Mm-hmm. As you have studied scripture throughout your entire life, Ken, when did you start having doubts, and what were they? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a really good uh, area of inquiry. Um, I I think that uh, when I was in college, um, I grew up. Catholic, uh, somewhat nominal Catholic. When I was in my second year of college, I um, embraced Christianity. I kind of uh, came back to my my Catholic faith and my Christian faith, and I I then experienced uh, doubts. Uh, some of those doubts, I think, had to do with uh, um, well, I'll, I'll be very specific. Uh, at school, I was going to attending a secular school. We talked about reason and logic and rationality, but we didn't talk about faith. Mm-hmm. But the evangelical church that I began attending, we talked about faith, but we didn't talk about reason, logic, and rationality. And I thought, whoa, I'm a man without a country. I'm. I started to think, well, how do these fit together? And that led to a certain level of doubt and questioning and searching. So you engaged your mind and you got you got comfortable with doubt coming into your head. 
I discovered that the classical historic Christian position is that a Christian lives on uh, the section of faith and reason. We live on the corner of faith and reason. Uh, that is, we believe in faith. I would define faith as confident trust in a reliable source. So I, I have confidence in my parents. I have confidence in in you. I have confidence in the chair I'm sitting in. Um, but I also recognize that as a Christian, my faith is reasonable, and there's evidence that I can appeal to. Mm-hmm. I love in Isaiah chapter 1, let us reason together. That's that's right. Um, you know, I, I think we have to feel comfortable uh, on uh, embracing faith and reason. Uh, one of my favorite Christian thinkers, St. Augustine, said that it's— uh, uh, you know, f- it is uh, faith that is seeking understanding. I have trust in God. I have confidence in God. Uh, and when I look for reason and evidence to support my faith, I discover that it is there. So I'm, I am a person of faith, but I'm always, I'm always respectful and trusting of reason and argumentation. No, I like that. My guest is Ken Samples. He is a, a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe in. Our topic today is the Christian and the problem of doubt. So if you've had doubt, you've come to the right show today, so don't go anywhere. Um, let's talk more about doubt, Ken, because uh, is, it, is it the result of human reflection? When, is that how we end up with more doubt in our lives? I think so. I, I, I think... I think doubt uh, comes at various stages, but I, I think, kind of generally speaking, um, doubt is doubt is part of our uh, our reflectiveness. Uh, again, to 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 think carefully and critically about anything is to question it, uh, which is to raise doubts about it. But I also think that build it. It has to do with our humanness. That is, you know, so, sometimes doubt has to do with with the issue of, uh, you know, faith and fallenness. But some doubt has to do with our, our humanness. Um, uh, here's, here's a uh, question, but here's a comment by William Lane Craig, who is a, a leading evangelical Christian philosopher and apologist. He says, any Christian who is intellectually engaged and reflecting about his or her faith will inevitably face the problem of doubt. Then he then he uh, then he makes this very, uh, I, I think, uh, gripping comment. He says, "How many sermons have you ever heard on how to deal with doubt in the Christian life?" A lot of times, Bill, uh, these uncertainties, the doubts that we have, they often go. Uh, I think they're common, but they often go unspoken, and so it's kind of people think, "Oh, I'm I'm a bad Christian if I have doubts," or boy, you know, people like Ken and Bill, they never have doubts. No, um, uh, it, it's often unspoken. And I think there's where the problem comes in. How do we, how do we address when people have real doubts or uncertainties? Mm. Ken, really interesting point that not a lot of pastors will address how to work through doubt. Because I obviously we, we find ourselves, well, you can't have doubts because it's God's word. And I think, well, yeah, that makes sense to me. Because if I don't understand something, 
I don't need to doubt it. I just need to further investigate and do more scripture engagement so I can better understand it. That's right on the money. I mean, what we discover in scripture, uh, I'm thinking of Romans 10, 17 here, faith comes by hearing, hearing the message about Christ. Now, what's interesting in the New Testament, faith, of course, uh, our idea of the, the Greek word is pistis, the, the noun is uh, the noun is pistis, the, the verb is pistuo, and the root of it means trust and confidence. But there is something about the word of God that that enables people to have faith. Um, and I, I think sometimes sometimes we have doubts and the, and the solution to certain doubts is greater investigation, looking at the historical underpinning of Christianity, looking at evidences for the resurrection, or, hey, is this text reliable? Can I have confidence in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Of course, there are other types of doubts. Uh, sometimes people have doubts because they're going through crisis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people have doubts because they're depressed and have anxiety. Or they may be very immature. That is, they're very new to to it. So uh, doubts need to be addressed. They can be they can be a problem, but it is important to ask why is this doubt coming in uh, coming to bear? Mm -hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. Ken, when you talk to people about doubt, do they doubt God's word or do they doubt how it applies to them? Well, I think I think probably it could be both. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, look, there are uh, there are critical scholars uh, in the world, and I would say uh, that the Bible is is the most criticized, analyzed book that has ever existed. Now, to me, that's encouraging. I mean, everybody has taken their shot at it, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. uh, still holds up but you know there are people when you know let's say young people they go away to college they're away from home maybe they go to a a uh, more secular school uh you know the professor's up there he has a lot of letters after his name or her name and raises question and and look we live in a postmodern world that's the world of doubt that's mm, the world yeah. of relativism so I think sometimes people question uh, scripture, but I think people also have doubts as, well, how does that then apply to me? So some careful exegesis, understanding how to lead out the meaning of scripture and how to appropriately apply it. Mm -hmm. Ken, if I will elaborate on this point, maybe they've heard God loves you, and that's God's word, and that's for certain not to be doubted, but they wonder, but does God love me? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think that's you know that's the that's an underlying issue. Yeah. Uh, it's one it's one thing to believe that Jesus you know died on the cross. It's another thing to say he died for my sins and and he loves me. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Yeah, we got some questions coming in, Ken. So I'm going to hit you with some questions when we come back. Ken Samples is Good. my guest. We're talking today about the Christian and the problem of doubt. If you have a question about doubt and how you are processing doubt in your life when it comes to your faith or 
something in Scripture, uh, now would be a great time to ask the question. I'll ask Ken on your behalf. The number is 877-933-2484. That's the text line. Again, 877-933-2484. Ken Samples again. He's at Reasons to Believe. He's a senior scholar. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion on the problem of doubt. Thanks for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm Carmen LaBurge. If you enjoy what you're listening to here, consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine. Search Mornings with Carmen LaBurge at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit subscribe. So glad to have Ken Samples back on the show. He is a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe. And today we're talking about the Christian and the problem of doubt. A couple of questions already have come in on the text line, Ken, so maybe we can start with a couple of those before we return to uh, our discussion. How do we create a safe space for genuine Christians to ask genuine questions about their doubts? Wow, that's a, that's a, in my view, that's, I give you a 10. Whoever is asking that question is just hit it right on the head. I have uh, long advocated, uh, one of theologians I like best, his name was Yaroslav Pelikan. He said, the church is always more than a school, but can't be less than a school. I think one of the big problems we have in culture today and, and in worldwide society is churches have have in many ways uh, they're less than a school. I think every every church should have a class. Call it the doubters class, if you will. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's specifically for people to come and just say, you know what, I have I have doubts. Uh, I have questions. I struggle. Uh, whatever it is, I you know I struggle with living the Christian life. I struggle with uh, you know believing uh, that a person could rise from the dead, whatever it is, I think that there should be a class. And I think that churches should seek to put a person in as the leader of that class that has the skill and the ability to communicate with people who have questions. And again, I, I think that our churches that Look, they they have a lot of responsibility. They we expect the church to do a lot of things, and uh, many churches do many good things and do them well. Um, but I yeah, I think that there should be a place where somebody could come out and say, "Hey, look, I, you know, I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I question. I doubt this." And they they should feel comfortable. Uh, to to let it out. And what they'll discover is, wow, I'm not the only one who has those questions and those doubts and those difficulties. And uh, by the way, they'll feel a little more anchored into the church. That's such a good point, Ken. Um, Here's another question. Can you differentiate between doubt and cynicism? Yes. Um, You know, I I think that doubt uh, in maybe in the best sense of the word, it is to question. It is to be uncertain about something. And and that's normal and natural. And 
reflects our, our finitude, our limitedness as human beings. There's lots of things we don't know or understand completely. Mm-hmm. I think that's doubt. I, I think cynicism, however, has then moved to a place where a, a person has a, a very negative uh, uh, perspective or a deeply distrusting of any kind of claim. Uh, I think we need to be open. And there's, look, I, I, I have doubts about my faith from time to time. In fact, here's a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. He says, quote, in, this is in Mere Christianity. He says, now that I'm a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. But when I was an atheist, uh, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. You know, we all have doubts. Uh, I had a student in one of my classes who was a agnostic. And I said, do you ever doubt your unbelief? Do you ever ask, what's the best argument on the other side? I, I think we want to be careful not to fall into c- uh, cynicism where we have a deep distrust for any claims that are made. I, I think we should be open to, to people, let people make their case, and then we look at it very carefully. Or as uh, the Apostle Paul said, test all things and hold on to that which is good. Mm-hmm. Ken, I think you're going to love this next question, because I, I love it as well. I don't doubt God. I doubt if I'm interpreting it right if my pastor is, if radio voices are, etc. On this topic, I like to look up verses with the word discernment in them. Sometimes going through the discernment process looks and feels like doubt. I think that's a terrific comment. I do too. Um, You know, there are... I'm going to make a differentiation here. I'm going to talk about moral virtues and intellectual virtues actually think they go together, but um, intellectual virtues, uh, we're told in the book of Acts that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Well, the Bereans had a habit of when they listened to the Apostle Paul, they'd open their Hebrew text and uh, see if what he was saying was in accord with Scripture. Their intellectual virtues, uh, John in, in 1 John 4 says, you know, uh, many false prophets have got out into the world. Don't believe things too quickly. Paul says, test them. Paul talks about uh, stop conforming to the world, having a having an intellectual renewal. It is very good to ask the question, uh, look, the Bible plays such a critical role in Christianity. Uh, what is the context of these passages? What's the original language? How can I lead out rather than read into? Uh, these, of course, are, are skills that I think all of us need as Christians. Uh, usually our pastors and our teachers have uh, taken you know, extensive study, but those are, those are certainly appropriate. And I think anybody built to become comfortable with the Bible to, to recognize that there are certain ways in which we can interpret Scripture. We call this exegesis. We call this hermeneutics, mm-hmm. understanding the biblical text. Mm-hmm. Ken Samples is my guest from Reasons to Believe. 
uh, Ken, um, are there misperceptions about doubt among Christians? There really are. In fact, there's a there's a great book written by a friend and my colleague named Gary Habermas. Habermas is arguably the 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 greatest specialist evangelical specialist on the resurrection of Jesus. Has written multiple books. The reason I recommend this book, though, is not only because it's very good, but it is a book that's available for free online. Uh, again, it's entitled uh, Gary Habermas is the author dealing with doubt. So if you type in Gary Habermas dealing with doubt, uh, you can download that from Gary's uh, website. But yeah, he talks about uh, some common misperceptions. And, uh, you know, the very first one is that Christian doubt is uncommon. And that's a misperception. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there have been numerous people, and I'll, I'll quote a very distinguished Christian scholar here, Oz Guinness, written on worldview, Christian philosophy, uh, was influenced by um, Francis Schaeffer, for example. I'm sure many of your listeners know of Schaeffer. This is what Guinness says. He says, it is not primarily a Christian problem, but a human problem. The root of doubt is not in our faith, but in our humanness. So again, if we're if we're finite beings, uh, we're limited beings. Uh, you know, doubt is going to be a part of that, and I think doubt is a in, is a part of any any kind of critical thinking, any type of uh, reflective thinking, and uh, part of what bothers you about doubt is you think, am I the only one, or mm. why? Well, void, you know. I, I'm having doubts and you kind of subjectivize it and it puts, that's where the problem comes in, where you feel like, well, maybe I'm not really a true Christian or maybe I don't have real faith. When C.S. Lewis says, no, all of us have moods. Moods come upon you, but to have faith is to say, look, I can have confidence in God's word. Uh, it is clear. Uh, it it corresponds to history. There's good evidence to support it. And when I go through the, the tricky moods, I, I need to remind myself of the reliability of the biblical text and of the reliability of God's revelation overall. Mm -hmm. All right, Ken, let me take a short break. When we come back, lots more with Ken Samples. The topic today is the Christian and the problem of doubt you've got a question about doubt, I would love for you to send it over, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And we are incredibly grateful to God, the ways in which he's expanding the reach of Faith Radio so that more people will hear the gospel and will hear about the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. And it really is as a result of your amazing support that Faith Radio has been able to say yes when opportunities present themselves. So thank you. We want to pray for our new Faith Radio family members in Missouri. Missouri. Pray that the flame of revival is fanned and that the impact is expansive. We'll be right back with Ken in just a minute.
afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time, let's get it started. Jump in your car, what's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Welcome to the show. If you just climbed in your vehicle heading home from a long day at work, hope your day went well. I'm always so happy that you tune in. And I always pray that God is going to give you exactly what you need in this time of commute, this time of being in your car, processing your day on the way home to go be with family or loved ones or maybe just meeting a friend. So always glad you can do that. We're talking today uh, with Ken Samples about the Christian and the problem of doubt. And in Gary Habermas's book called Dealing with Doubt, I think Angela is going to link that uh, free online resource in the podcast. So that'll be nice uh, for you. Uh, one of the misconceptions that Gary talks about is doubt is uncommon among Christians. So well, that's just not true. There's a lot of Christians that have doubt. And Ken, I would suspect that the enemy would love for you to think you're the only person that has doubt. I think that's, again, that's uh, exactly right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, part of, part of I think, the, the trouble with doubt, part of what makes it such a difficult area and where Christians struggle with it is we feel isolated. And again, that, that, that first assumption that Habermas gives that, hey, um, you know, uh, it's, it's uncommon to have doubt. You have doubt. There's something wrong with you. And it, and it really builds into his second misperception that true believers never experience doubt. Well, that's, whoa, if I was, maybe I'm not a true believer if, if true believers never experience doubt. But that's also a misperception. Uh, two very important biblical examples, John the Baptist. Uh, remember what, what Jesus says about John. He says in Matthew eleven eleven, I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Well, that was even after John experienced doubt. Um, in Matthew 11, uh, you know, John is imprisoned and uh, he's going through a very difficult time. And he's hearing these things about the Messiah, Jesus, who he baptized and ushered in. And, uh, you know, he he sends a message uh, to Jesus. Hey, uh, are you the one? Are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Uh, or should we look for someone else? And I love what Jesus says. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Well, those, Bill, those were the very things that were said about the Messiah. That, you know, he would he would be an extraordinary teacher. He would be a healer. Uh, and, and so Jesus says, look, uh, I'm doing the things they said that the Messiah would do. Therefore, you can have confidence that I, I am he, I am the, the deliverer, the Messiah. Well, um, look, no one was greater than John, but John went through a period. And, and again, it's exacerbated when we go through problems and challenges. That's why it's so important to be able to, 
not wait until a crisis moment to work through your doubts and questions. Mm-hmm. Because again, when you're sick or when you going through a divorce or you're going through a financial crisis, it's like, Lord, where are you? Uh, another example is Thomas. He's one of the 12. Uh, he's not with the 12 when Jesus first appears in his resurrection. Uh, and he says, look, uh, yeah, I, you and I, you guys are brothers to me. We've, you know, we eat, drink and sleep the last three years. We're followers of Jesus. But look, when it, this claim is so great, I, I've got to be able to, you know, put my finger into the wounds in his wrists. I've got to put my hand into his spear wound in the side. And unless I can do that, I will not believe. Now, what I think is critical here, Bill, apologetically, is this, that a lot of non-Christians, a lot of skeptics, uh, a lot of atheists, uh, they say, you know, Christians are they're gullible. They believe things too quickly. Well, look, here's Thomas. He had a lot of doubt. Uh, you know, he said, yeah, I've seen the things that you've seen, but when you talk resurrection, I've got to be... I've got to be sure about this. And then, of course, Christ appears to him and uh, he says, you know, take your finger, put it into my nail wounds, put your hand in my side, examine me. Uh, and what does Thomas say? Uh, the Greek, hakuriasmu kai hatheosmu, my Lord and my God. One of the, he has a high Christology. He's putting Jesus up there with, you must be an extension of Yahweh. <laughs> Well, uh, we could talk about others, James and Paul, who were very skeptical, but they were persuaded because the evidence was sound and strong. Mm. Ken, I have to brag about my listeners because they're so smart. Many of them are straight-A students, and I have a feeling this is a straight-A student because this question uh, is relative to your friend Gary Habermas, Habermas, and he said, this is for Ken, Dr. Gary uh, Habermas talks about three types of doubt, factual doubt, emotional doubt, and volition doubt. How would you define each of those, and which do you think Christians suffer from the most? Yeah, this is, this is terrific. Um, you know, I, I, I think when we, when we look at uh, Habermas's three types of doubt, um, you know, when you look at factual doubt, for example, there are people who have, they have questions about, you know, the historical nature of the faith. Uh, how do I know the text is reliable? How do I, how do I know that these claims are historical and are trustworthy? So that's a type of factual doubt. And, and again, the way you attempt to resolve that is we need further study. We need uh, more careful analysis and I think that there is uh, an extraordinary amount of good support for the Bible being trustworthy and for uh, the picture that it gives about Jesus as being accurate. But when it comes to, you know, emotional doubt, sometimes people have doubts because they have a hard time trusting anyone. Maybe they suffer from anxiety and depression. I I have uh, discovered that Anxiety and depression are like twins. They go together. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when people are going through a difficult emotional uh, time, they have doubts about trusting anybody. Well, that's 
we have to work through that a little differently. We might say, well, hey, um, uh, it's not necessarily the factual issues. Maybe, maybe the person is wounded or maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're going through. So some counseling might be there. You know, volitional doubt. Uh, again, maybe the person uh, is very new, maybe immature. Uh, and so we do want to ask the question, why is the person having doubts? Where's the root to them? And then how can we combat them? And while I don't think uh, having doubts is necessarily, a, you know, something to be deeply worried about, because everybody does, including, including the doubters, I would always I would always ask my skeptical students, do you do you doubt uh, your unbelief? Um, and I, I also though think that we shouldn't leave these issues unresolved. They can build up, and people get wounded, they get hurt. C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity again, he raises the question about people falling away, and he says that. Did somebody reason you out of, of believing in the resurrection? So you were once a Christian who believed in the resurrection and somebody came along and reasoned you out of it? Or did you drift away? Ooh. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's really important. If faith comes by hearing, reading scripture, studying scripture, attending church, re reading good material, praying. Uh, Lewis says, if you, if you don't... Uh, if that's not a regular part of your life, uh, it's going to slip out of you. So I, I think that that comment is is right on target. And Habermas's book is readable. And again, it's written by somebody who knows not only the resurrection, but, you know, he went through doubts in his life. Mm -hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. He is a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe. We're talking today about the Christian and the problem of doubt. I had a nice comment from someone who said, I wonder if the problem is that someone may never doubt. Doubt makes me dig in to learn more about God's word. I think that's an, a great comment. That's a, that's a great comment. And it, it really, it, it really uh, gets at another issue. And that is that all doubt is bad. That's another misperception. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these skeptical people, they uh, they start looking at the evidence and they change their mind. Or, you know, you might discover that, hey, I, I do have kind of a superficial faith. I really don't have a I don't have a, a basis for why I believe uh, sometimes doubts can be very positive. They can lead to a greater assurance and confidence. Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to I want to say, Ken, I have some kind of doubt almost every day where I'll be driving, thinking to myself about a particular passage. And I'll say to myself, if I had to articulate that passage and explain it to somebody, would I be able to do it? And that will create some doubt in my head, which will make me want to go back, study it again for the 19th time. So doubt is a, is a, is a driver, a daily driver for me. It can be a very, very positive thing. And again, I think I think uh, the reason for talking about these types of issues is to realize doubt is not always a problem. No. Sometimes doubt points you to a, a solution and a resolution of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ken, what is faith, faith's relationship to reason? 
Yeah, I like this topic very much. Uh, again, I've written a book, Christianity Cross-Examined, where uh, in uh, one of the early chapters, I write about 10 ways that Christian faith relates to reason. And so this, this is always, this has been for 2,000 years, a, a very critical area of Christian theology, Christian philosophy, Christian apologetics. What's the relationship between faith and, and, and reason? Sometimes I think people overemphasize faith. Sometimes people overemphasize reason, where I think kind of a classical biblical perspective is that we're people of faith and reason. What are some of the relationships? Well, faith is a gift. It comes from God. Uh, it comes through hearing the gospel. Um, and yet, when we start investigating, we discover that there's good evidence. I mean, uh, I remember one time I, I was reading about the discovery of what they call the Pilate Stone. Uh, that is, they unearthed this stone with Pontius Pilate's name on it. And uh, I thought, wow, uh, you know, here is Pilate, a critical figure in uh, the uh, crucifixion and condemnation of Jesus uh, and his death. And here in, you know, in the uh, Middle, Middle Eastern world there in, in Judea, they discover this, this artifact with Pontius Pilate's name on it. Uh, well, it's really difficult to argue that this story was made up. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've got Pilate's name on a stone, uh, <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, I think that these things are are very, very important to be able to recognize that there's a there is a good reason for believing, or, or as St. Augustine would say, he says, uh, faith faith is a gift, uh, or or this is what he says. Uh, reason doesn't cause faith, but reason everywhere supports faith. So faith comes, through reading God's word, it comes through hearing the message about Christ, and then it leads you to say, hey, what, well, what are the evidences for my faith? And here are some good reasons why I am a Trinitarian, why I do believe Jesus is both God and man, why I do believe that Jesus is the only path to, to God. So there is that sense of uh, reason is there, and we have a faith that involves knowledge and is consistent with reason. I mean, to to have faith, you have to know certain facts about Jesus. What about his life? What about his death? What about his resurrection? So faith involves knowledge, and it's compatible. It is consistent with reasoning and logic and rationality. Mm -hmm. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back with uh, Ken Samples. Our topic today is the Christian and the problem of doubt. If you've got a question or comment about doubt in your life, please send it over, 877-933-2484. Ken is a senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, and we'll be right back with lots more. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting myfaithradio.com. 
I'm so glad to be with Ken Samples today. He's from Reasons to Believe. We're talking about the Christian and the problem of doubt. And if I can just put this in the positive light from uh, Gary Habermas's book, uh, Dealing with Doubt, doubt is common among Christians. True believers in Christ do experience doubt, and Christian doubt is an okay thing. So, Ken, you can probably assuage some people who have uh, had threatening uh, feelings about their kids who have come home from college and said, well, I'm starting to doubt my faith, and the parents and the grandparents freak out. Yes, um, that's such an important thing to recognize. I I, I like the idea of saying, look, uh, we all go through moods. We all go through periods where certain things seem more or less plausible or probable or or likely. And uh, the reality is, again, it's the problem of doubt is exacerbated when people aren't able to talk about it. Uh, You know, we get the impression there's something wrong with us, or again, one of the misperceptions, it's uncommon, or that true believers don't really have this kind of experience. Uh, And and so the the ability to be able to discuss it. um, And when I... uh, you know, I, I gave a presentation on my own podcast about it. Many people said, oh, Ken, talk about that on Bill's show. I'll bet, you know, people have doubts. They want to be able to talk about these kinds of things. So I think that's exactly right. And Habermas's book is very helpful. And again, one of the leading specialists on the resurrection and a, ma- a man that through his work, even some of the leading atheists have said, wow, uh, I don't know if I believe in the Christian God, but I, there's a lot more evidence than I ever recognized. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad to know you try out some of your material on your own podcast before bringing it to my show. Well, you're, you know, I, it's got to be good. I agree, Ken. It's got to be good if you're going to come on Bill's show. So. <laughs> Here's a question. Uh, besides Timothy's uh, passage that comes out of 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Uh, The question is, besides that, what else points to God being part of Bible inspiration? Uh, Well, I'm not not sure I understand exactly. Um, Okay, so Paul there is talking about, uh, he uses the Greek word, Theopanustas, that scripture is breathed out by God. It is it is revealed as, mm-hmm. as from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and obviously, Paul is then drawing that this can equip us in not only what I believe, but the way I should live my life. This is why Protestants talk about scripture as our supreme authority or final court of appeals, if you will. Um, uh, in terms of uh checking scripture well uh i think what we can discover is that uh, you know we we have an abundance of manuscript support for for the bible i mean muslims and other groups come back and say well you know the bible's been corrupted over the centuries well the church has uh, papyra manuscripts from the from the second and third century we have uh, codex manuscripts from the third, fourth, fifth, sixth century. You can go back and 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 see those kinds of things. So if if the question is, 
how do we have confidence that this is a revelation from God? I think that's where textual support and historic, the historical manuscripts can be very helpful. Uh, in my book, uh, without a doubt, I address many of those questions. And notice I'm a little bit of a hypocrite. I wrote a book entitled Without a Doubt, But I Have Doubt. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, you got problems now, Ken Samples. All right, here's another uh, comment. I'm trusting that my Bible has been interpreted or translated correctly based on the, the original languages. There are those who want us to doubt the interpretations, saying that they know the correct one that is different than the one I plainly read. How does one deal with this? Yeah, that's, boy, you really are right. You got some straight A students. Uh, straight A students, yep. Look, I, I think that uh, I think that's a that's a very important question, and I think that scholars, uh, when we look at the textual support, that is, that is all of these Bible translations we have are actually pretty good. Um, the NIV, the NASB, uh, the the King James Bible, um, these are very uh, respected translations because we can go back to the original languages and we can check them. Um, and so they're credible and they're uh, reliable. Now, of course, uh, just like any book, the Bible has to be interpreted. So it it's not usually uh, the text it, itself, because again, uh, you know, most of the most of the uh, textual corruption of the New Testament is simply copying errors, you know, epsilon mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Uh, th there's no major Christian doctrine that's affected by textual uh, problems. A lot of the area is then the question of how it's interpreted. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Th th there are people who have a vested interest yeah. in trying to show Christianity to be false or trying to show that, you know, uh, Christian orthodoxy is is wrong. Discernment, I think, is a is a type of critical thinking. It is because you're looking at you're you're looking at reason and rationality, but you're also relying on revelation. You're being discerning. Mm -hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. Ken, let's talk about doubt and spiritual warfare. How do those two go together? Wow, such an important area. I mean, you know, the Christian worldview says that there is a there is an unseen world. The Christian worldview says that there is a there is a war taking place. Now, again, people who don't hold that Christian worldview, they think, well, you believe in angels? Yeah. Uh, Christians believe in the angelic and they believe that there has been an angelic fall. So Lucifer, the, the devil, uh, Paul here, uh, excuse me, Peter in 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, uh, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. You know, when you go through tough times, uh, that's sometimes when the doubts come. That's when uh, the the enemy can attack. Paul the Apostle, Ephesians chapter 6. Here's a, a key passage. Uh, Paul says, finally, 
be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, uh, the devil has a vested interest in trying to damage your trust in God. And uh, that's where daily Bible reading, daily confession of sin, going to church, uh, having a transparent life, have a short list with God in terms of your sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are these are critical areas of of spiritual warfare, and uh, again, um, that's part of the broader Christian worldview. Boy, can we see doubt inter- introduced in Genesis chapter three? That's when Satan uses the tactic, and he said, "Did did did God really say that?" Trying to create doubt. Yeah. That's that's one yeah. of his master plans. Absolutely, and and Adam and Eve, they they're they're excited. They feel this excitement of being like God independent of God and then everything crumbles mm-hmm. yeah well Ken I doubt we don't I don't I doubt we have any more time to talk because we're already at the end of the hour so we're gonna have to say goodbye well you, this has been great thank you again I always enjoy it and and your listeners are terrific they're the best uh, as are you I, I appreciate all of their their comments and questions yeah likewise look forward to our conversation next month have a great uh have a great rest of the evening and i'll talk to you next month thanks bill thanks ken samples has been my guest you can learn more about him at reasons.org reasons.org and angela's going to put in the podcast the information on uh, gary habermas's book have a great night everyone we'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening programming like this is made available through your support information available at myfaithradio.com